I'd like to invite uh, Richard up. Uh, Richard King, he's one of our elders here, and he's been, uh, again, uh, kind enough to step in and um, give me another week to not sleep with the baby and stay up all night. And um, so uh, he's going to be bringing the word uh, this morning. I want you to just pray with me as we pray for him uh, during this time. So, dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this man. Thank you for um, what he and the elders have done uh, to lead this place forward and for this church. Uh, thankful, God, that it's not, it's not the pastor. It's not one person. It's all of us when we come together in community. I just pray that this time will be uplifting for our hearts, would be inspirational for our souls as we dive into your word. It would reveal more of who you are that we sang about this morning, that lead us to a new place with more of you. I pray for Richard in this time that the words that, that he speaks and the meditations of his heart would be pleasing in your sight. And we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, last time I was here, I was actually sitting on a stool, and I was holding a microphone, so I guess I've moved up. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, how's everybody today? Thanks for coming out today. I, um, I'm usually pretty good at speaking, but I'm not really good at writing, so forgive me if I kind of go astray or go around. It's just the Lord working through me. And, uh, you know, it's not easy being up in the lights and speaking your heart. Um, but at the same time, I just uh, I felt like there was a moment in my life where I realized that I had to take care of things. And, um, you know, and that's, that's the parable of the pool. It's really just a story, a story of, of things that you do every day. You don't really realize it. Um, but uh, I, got, I got solace from, from this in... Uh, Matthew, oh, no, no, yep. Matthew 13, 34. It's about prophecy and parables. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. So to me, it's like Jesus told stories. And I think testimony is stories. Everything you do is, hey, what'd you do today? What did you do last week when you went on vacation? I just went on vacation, so two and a half weeks on vacation was absolutely delightful. And I would suggest it for anybody just to do nothing, just to get out of the house, go enjoy family and friends, and just kind of let the world move around you instead of you moving in the world. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things I, I do on a regular basis is I clean my pool. And I think everybody here has been in a pool. I, I, how many people have been in a pool? <clears throat> Literally, everybody? Has everybody been in a pool? Well, <clears throat> my experience is this. When I was younger, I learned how to swim in a pool. I learned how to jump from a high dive in a pool. I learned how to do a belly flop in a pool. Uh, I learned how to do life-saving in a pool, how to take off my clothes, tie them up, put some air in them, and let them float. So if you're out in the ocean, you can save yourself. Um, I learned a couple other things in the pool. I learned how to swim. I also learned how to pray, and that was a special time. There was a time where, um, where my sister-in-law had cancer, and I said to myself, you know what, I want to do something for her. I want to pray for her. Something very simple, but we try to do it every day. Um, so my goal was, she was 41 years old, and I'd never really swam in a while. So I actually, in my pools, I did all the measurements because I... I have that kind of mathematical mind, and I figured if I swam 
about 41 times. That's about a mile. So I was really going from zero to a mile in swimming. So every day, I'd just get out there to swim. But I had to stop, catch my breath, and just keep trying. But by the time I got to 41, I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you for letting me build myself up. Thank you for giving me this opportunity just to swim and pray for somebody else. So I reached my goal, and then I prayed for her, and she reached her goal. Her cancer is gone. It's in remission as we speak right now. <clears throat> so um, I was talking with Josh, and we knew he was having a baby. And I want you to know that from the moment I met Josh and I heard his story and his testimony, that I had been praying for Lisa and Josh to have a baby the whole time. I'm so happy for you all. And it's worth it to just give me time just to be up here so you don't have to be. But uh, it takes a lot of work, doesn't it? So uh, I was probably, I probably, I think I pulled a Josh last night. Uh, I drank coffee at 10 o'clock at night. I was up all night, got one hour of sleep, and then I came to church. <laughs> Is that about right? <laughs> um, so uh, the reason, the parable of the pool is because when I was cleaning the pool, it was kind of, this was a pool that was kind of given to me. Um, I had never cleaned a pool. When I first got, uh, after my parents died, I took over their house. And I used to just go to the house and swim in the pool. But after they died, it was my job to take care of the pool. And I realized that it's not easy to take care of a pool, especially when you're paying somebody to do it. It's like $120 a month for somebody to come out, do your pool, put in the chemicals, come back in a week or two. And what I learned was that uh, that costs a lot of money over time. So I, I found somebody else who was a neighbor of ours. And uh, I said, oh, you can do the pool? She's like, yeah, I can do your pool. Well, how much? 65. I said, sold. For $65, it was you know, almost half the cost. And uh, so we went away to the Keys and uh, came back. And what color was the pool? Green. It was green. It was not a dream green. It was just green. And it took me a while to fix it. And from that point forward, I started taking care of my own pool. And I felt, you know what? It's not so hard. All I got to do is just take care of a couple of things. Got to put some chemicals in there. Got to brush it, do a little work. It's done. And in doing so, I kind of realized that there's some, uh, there's some similarities between taking care of a pool and taking care of yourself as a Christian. And that's kind of where I got this parable from. But before I go into that, I just want to give some fun facts. Because Josh is about fun facts, and he's here today, so I want to share them with you also. <laughs> so... Uh, per the International Aquatic Foundation, who I'm sure sells lots of pools, um, how many pools do you think there are in America? 150 million. That's pretty good, but that's not right. <laughs> so in 2004, there were 4.5 million in-ground pools. There, are, there were 3.5 million above-ground pools. People had them in ground, out ground. But what I found interesting was the next number was there's 5.1 million hot tubs. <laughs> More hot tubs than there are pools in ground. I thought that was interesting. Yes, probably so. And uh, so, but in commercial pools, there are about, about 300,000. I don't believe that it counts the high schools that have them or the colleges that have them, but that's a lot of pools. So um, one of the, in, the, the, the biggest thing I realized was 
I learned how to scuba dive in a pool. I learned how to swim in a pool. I learned how to go from one side to another without, you know, with, with hold my breath. But an Olympic-sized swimming pool has a lot of water. Do you know how much water? Um, 660,000 gallons. 660,000. That's like over half a million. That's a lot of water just for one pool. So when they're doing the Olympics in Brazil, or they're doing the Olympics out at the training center, they have that much water in their pool. It's ridiculous. It says, on the average, we take about, we use about 70 gallons per bath. So if you do the math, that's about 9,400 baths are in that one pool. And that's not the only pool. That's an Olympic size. Um, if, you, if you look at the history of pools, pools, about, I said the first, they said the first pool was about 5,000 years ago. It was called the Great Bath of Mohenjo-Doro. And this was in the Roman times. And they used, they used it for rituals and bathing. One of the oldest ones in the world. Still standing today. Not full of water, but still, still standing. Um, the first pool in the United States was called the Cabot Street Bath, 1868, in Boston, Massachusetts. It was very simply for the poor, for nearby residents to come and bathe because they didn't have enough money to bathe themselves. They didn't have a bath in their house, so they had to go somewhere else. You and I have no concept of this, unless maybe some of the older people... But I don't think so. I mean, we take it for granted we take a bath. We take it granted for there's water. But the thing about water is, is that you have to keep it clean to keep bacteria out. You have to keep it fresh. But what I also learned is that water is not pure. There's no pure water. That bath water has chemicals in it. That pool water has chemicals in it. And I, the interesting fact was pool water has more chemicals than bleach. The bleach has about 5% of chemicals, and the rest is water. But in a pool, you can have anywhere from 12 to 95% of chemicals. So, you know, that stuff you're swimming in, it's not pure water. Maybe, maybe that pure water you get from uh, Icelandia <laughs> or, you know, Fuji water. The Fiji? Fiji? Sorry, Fuji, Fiji. Um, but, uh, you know, it kind of... It kind of it gave me an understanding that there is really no pure water. It's all got minerals, elements, and things to keep it clean. Now, everybody wants a pool, and we, most of us assume it's clean. Because when we look at it, we go, oh, it's got a clean appearance. It looks clean. There's nothing in it. And also, there's a clear appearance. It's crystal clear. When you look at it, it's got that shimmer when the light hits it. It's just very nice. And as Christians, I think we're the same way. As Christians, we like to have a clean appearance. We, we, we assume that all Christians are clean. You know, they take care of themselves. But and we also have, we have a clarity in who we are. In the statement of faith, and we say, I am a Christian. We stand up to that belief and say, I am a Christian. And we don't, you know, I think it's hard for some people to do that. So I feel... As a Christian, we need to share that idea that you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we're brothers and sisters, we live in this life together. That, that really God and Jesus, they want us to do one thing. They want everybody in this world to be on the same page. God wants every one of us 
the good ones, the bad ones, the forgotten ones. He wants us all. But to take care of a pool, it's not very easy to do. It takes work. It's not easy at all. You need to have chemicals. You have to monitor it regularly. And it requires physical effort. You have to scrub the pool sometimes. You have to vacuum the pool. Unless you have one of those fancy machines, but that, that requires an extra pump and extra money. So I'm just letting you know from personal experience. Um, but it's not easy to be a Christian either. Because, you know, you assume that all Christians are good. Oh, he's a Christian, so he, he's good. He has to act good in everything he does because he states he's a Christian. Um, but it's hard to be a Christian to be like Jesus. I mean, what a person to live up to. How can I possibly live up to what Jesus taught me and what he wants me to do? But that is a lofty goal. You want to try to be as good as the pool of Jesus. But you've got to take care of the pool too. You've got to follow rules. God has laws laid out for us. Jesus taught us lessons. And he, he really, even from the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, he just really was here to show us things. So last night, uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was eating a couple of my blueberry muffins that my wife made. And um, I opened up one of the Bibles. And it was interesting to me that I was looking around and some of the words I was going to use today. And, and one of the fun facts of, the, of this particular Bible is it's a Bible that was written in Hebrew, translated to English in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it was Greek translated into English. Um, did I say that right? But in the back, it has some facts regarding the Gospels. And really, to me, what struck me was, in the four Gospels, 48% of those Gospels were things that Jesus said. So there's a whole four books that had half of what he said. And I thought that was amazing. I didn't realize there was that much red in the Bible, but there is. The other thing I realized was that of that 48%, I think about 28, 25% of those words were actually from the Old Testament. So he just doesn't speak about the new, the new covenant that was coming. He was also speaking about the old. So that was the connection. He is the connection between the old ways and the new ways. When you're taking care of a pool, like I do, I came back and my pool was green. It's not the first time it's been green. Um, when my father was taking care of the pool before he passed away, he decided he was going to take care of himself. Well, he, he did a pretty good job for a couple weeks, but then he let it go. And what I mean by let it go is it was a swamp within two months. And we literally had to throw in a pump, pump everything out, get the shovels, scrape everything, take it out, refill it up, and do it. And uh, in doing that, I learned a valuable lesson. Don't let your pool go. And just like Christians, we can't let ourselves go. We always have to work at being Christian. And it's like... Well, I thought it was enough that I was baptized. I thought it was enough that I, that I accept the Lord into my life. But no, it really takes more than that. It takes you every day working on being a good Christian. 
because we have this thing called sin. It's been around for a very long time. I had a conversation um, with a patient of mine. Um, she, I'm a physical therapist, so I go to people's homes. I'm blessed to do this and, and just talk with different people and help them get better. Um, one of the things I talked to her about was <laughs> we were talking about sin. And we're talking about uh, how we both kind of agree on a certain thing. Uh, the thing is this, is that some people blame Eve for the downfall of man. You know, and I looked at her and I go, how could that be? He's the one who ate the apple. He didn't say, hey honey, don't eat the apple. It came from that tree. He took a bite. So did she. They are both complicit. And we both are living from the effects of that. They're, they're, so every man, woman, and child on this planet has sinned from the very beginning. But what's nice to know is through that, we have somebody who came into our lives and saved our lives. And that's Jesus Christ. He took our sin away from us. He didn't take our sinful nature, but he took our sin. And we should always appreciate that we're always having to work to take care of the sin in our lives and not let it overcome us, not let things come into our lives that can affect it, like natural and unnatural things. For example, in a pool, the natural things that can affect the water are rain. Rains too much, messes with the chemicals, gets rid of it, and then the bacteria have a thing to grow because there's no chemicals keeping them at bay. You can have leaves fall in your pool. Then they start to leach, and all this stuff comes out. Or you could have, like in my house, where I have a raccoon that comes and eats the cat food, but takes it to the pool, cleans it, leaves something in the pool, and we have to clean that too. Um, and also there are unnatural things. Like, for instance, when we went away and we called and say, hey, how's the cat? Cat's fine. How's, and she goes, oh, by the way, the pool is green. Well, how could it be green? You know, it didn't have that much rain. Everything should be okay. But the problem was, was that the pump wasn't working. Why wasn't the pump working? Because the timer broke. So eight hours a day, that timer should be going for the pump. But when we came home, timer was broken, pool was green, and what I realized was, okay, well, I'll, I'll just fix the timer. But then I tried to fix the pool also, but the pool pump broke. So these two things I had no control, and definitely unnatural events, that I had no control that actually affected my ability to clean the pool. Got the pump fixed, got the new timer, pool was working very good, it was green, now it's crystal again. Maybe a couple leaves that I don't care about, but everything else. Compared to what it was, I couldn't even see the bottom. Now I can see it. Now I can start to swim again. But even as Christians, we have things that are affecting us too, our ability to be Christians. We have unnatural things and natural things. Unnatural things are phones. Unnatural. Every day. We have television. That's only been around, what, about... 80 years, 90 years maybe. We have sports. It's not a natural thing for us to, you know, follow these sports things. It's fun, but sorry, didn't mean to rain on your, on your winning. <laughs> but, um, but these are distractions for us. They kind of, when you think about, in some ways, if you're a sports fan and you do it for the gambling part, that's really unnatural. It's okay for you to choose a team, like a team, like the winning team, but there are parts of it that are not good. Wars, very unnatural events for humans. 
people don't get along. It gets to the point where they have to draw a line in the sand and decide whether or not they're going to stay there, cross it, attack somebody, protect themselves from being attacked. And I think what I even found was friends can be unnatural. You say, how could a friend be unnatural affecting my Christianity? How can it be? Well, I can tell you from personal experience, I was a good sinner for a while, many years. And it was partially me, but it was also because of my friends. It was who I hung around. I thought it was more fun to be with them and do what they were doing. So I just followed their lead. I just did what they did. And I look back now and go, I wasted a lot of time. A lot of time drinking, a lot of time staying up late. And, and, I just, and uh, it's just one of those things. I think sometimes even your, I don't have it down here, but sometimes your jobs can do that. Your jobs can take away from who you are and what you do because you have this commitment to the job, but then you suffer as a Christian because you don't stand up for your Christian beliefs. You don't stand up for what God wants you to do in your life and the life of others because you have to toe the, the company line. Some of the natural things that can affect you as a Christian, illness. <laughs> that can really affect your b- belief and your faith in God. To, to think, why am I getting sick? Lord, I've given you everything. I pray daily. How can I possibly be sick? But what I realized is that illness is a natural part of life. You are human. You are not perfect. You're perfect in God's eyes, but you're still human. So you're going to get sick. And it's how you treat the sickness makes a difference. The patient I spoke about earlier, she, she, I saw her for a hip. She had a hip replacement. Got her strong as an ox. She was starting to get better. I hadn't seen her for a long time. Nine months later, I go to this new house. I see a woman. I'm going, who's... I kind of recognize her, but I wasn't sure. It was my, it was my same patient, Miss Shirley. Well, Shirley, Shirley had gone through cancer, cancer of the colon. And I was like, wow. Didn't see that one coming. Neither did she. And in talking with her, she goes, you know... They gave me two doses, and they didn't think I was going to live. They almost didn't want to give me the medicine because they thought I was done. She said, but that was the moment that I prayed. I prayed so hard. I prayed against everything that was against me. And she is currently cancer-free. Prayer works. Faith works. Your belief in what the Lord has put in you works. But as a Christian, you have to continually work on that faith. You just can't sit back. One of the things I learned was faith. I don't know. Did we talk about this? Faith is a word. It's more like a belief. But the word I heard was obedience. And to have faith and to be active, you have to have obedience to be faithful with the Lord. You have to do the things that he asks. You have to be positive in what you're doing. You're trying to, to live up to the life that you have expected since you took on the mantle of the Lord. Another thing that can affect you naturally is fatigue. Fatigue can happen because you have a newborn. Fatigue can happen because you, 
you work hard and you just don't have the energy at the end of the day. Those are natural things that affect you. And even depression. Depression's a hard one, isn't it? My mom had depression. She was depressed clinically, major depression for at least 30 years. I don't know if it was because my sister died. She was a sudden infant death syndrome, you know, before I was born. So after that, my mom, when I was born, she used to stay up every night to watch me sleep because she put my sister down to sleep. She walked away. She came back a little later, my sister had died. So then that carried over to me. And she, ne- she, she would stay up late and just watch over me while I slept. I didn't know this until I was like a teenager. I was like, you know, all my friends are up having breakfast with their mom. My mom's still sleeping because she was up all night. But because she was depressed and she carried this burden, that she would stay up all night and read books because that was her pattern. That was her new pattern. That's what she was doing. Um, over time, she got away from that. But it was all, st- all, all still there. What I like to see is that sometimes when I open up a Bible, I still find the words of my mother. Prayers that she had written. Prayers that she had written over her family because she was depressed because her mom was so mean to her. Of the three children, my mom was the one who always got the brunt of anything. Whether it was real or not, she got that. I think another natural thing that affects us in our, in our daily lives as Christians is our children. You know, as wonderful gifts they are, they require work. They are not easy and they are expensive. Hope you, you know, I think what they say, the statistic is, is like it's, to raise a child is like 2.5 million over the course of their lives or something like that, which is a lot of money. But sometimes with your children, you tend to, there's one, <laughs> you, you want to facilitate everything for them. You want to do everything for them. But sometimes you can't. And you shouldn't. You have to let them fly because they are simply a gift from God that you have for a short time and that you have to learn that you cannot be there for every single moment in their lives, but you need to help facilitate them to grow up to be effective adults, to be good Christians, to share the word. And even if it's, even if it's not your own children, and I was talking to Tony earlier today. He recently lost his grandmother, somebody very special in his life, who, who would take in other children on Sundays to have Sunday school on her property, who brought him to Christ. That's awesome. And I think lastly, the, one of the natural things that affects us is ourselves. You know, every day we have to really focus on ourselves. And we can be our own worst enemies and we can be our best supports. But really, we have to take care of things ourselves. So, kind of in tying this up, one of the, things, one of the last things I, my wife asked me, she says, you know, so how do you keep your pool clean as a Christian? And I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to preach to everybody. And she's like, well, try not to preach. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and what I heard from her was very simple. Maybe I should tell things that I do as a Christian, and maybe that might help you. 
So these are a couple of things that I like to do to help me maintain myself as a Christian. One of the first things I did was I became baptized again. Baptized when I was a baby. Baptized again here at True Life with Sarah. That was a great day. I couldn't quite fit in the bin. I think I got like about this deep. <laughs> That's all right. It was my first time in the big bin. Um, uh, yes, it was. It was clean and cold. It was clean and cold. Um, so, so these are some of the things that I wanted to share with you that I do to try to help myself maintain myself as a Christian. One of them is love God. Praise the Lord every single day for everything you got. doesn't matter where you are, who you're with. Pray incessantly and continually. Something's on your heart, pray about it. Don't wait till the night. Just pray what you feel. If you think about somebody, pray for them. Very easy thing to do. This one was an interesting one. Seek repentance. And I, you know, I think before, before I was baptized, I kind of, I felt guilty about all those things I'd done before. But then I realized I'm, I'm renewed in Christ. I'm baptized, and he's, he's taken over those burdens that I have. And I'm still learning to give my burdens to him today in every single thing I do. And as a man, that's hard. It's hard to give it all up and say, Lord, you are the leader of my life, and I need you to take care of these things because I'm only working within my human strength. Ask the Lord to enter your heart. Keep him close. Just like, just like David said in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked, grievous ways in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. A couple other things I would just say is one thing I've learned here is fellowship. Fellowship with people in church. Fellowship with other Christians. People who are like-minded. God wants us to be all with our brothers and sisters. Follow Jesus' truths and his parables. Follow God's laws and the Ten Commandments. Be active in church. And not just on Sundays. Step up. Be challenged by what you're doing. In summary, all of us are sinners. We are tainted Christ followers. Yet we are renewed and cleaned through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are all like, like pool water. No different than the rivers of the seas. We are the same. And there is no other purity except except for the Trinity. So I look at Revelations 22, verse 1. The angel's talking to John. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of the life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Only Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God are pure in water. And they see us in our purity for their love through us. 
So we don't have to be pure water. We just have to take care of the water that we're given from our Creator. Thank you very much.